Hey, all you tea drinkers out there. This is Corey Calder with Staffelty Spilling the Tea. I want to thank you for downloading and listening to Episode 5. And in this episode, you're going to get to hear from two effective teachers, Mr. Ward and Mr. Parsons. There's the bell. Time for class. What's going on, Education Nation? This is Corey Calder, and we have yet another special one for you today. I have the privilege of having Jason Ward on. Jason, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, uh, I'm, uh, I've been at Verina for six years now. I, I, I'm a social studies teacher. I teach AP Human Geography, uh, World History Two Honors this year. But in the past, I've done VAUS History, uh, Government, World Geography. So it's been, uh, it's been a nice time. Very cool. Very cool. And um, I have your I had your fearless leader on Miss Ashley Johnson on earlier. And <laughs> That's she great. spoke very highly of you and same with Parsons. So um, and, you and big shoes to fill. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she's she's been a great this is her first year as the department leader, but she's kind of always been. Well, I guess, as we say, our, our department mom. And she's uh, she's been a great leader and a good friend that I've got to develop a relationship with over the last few years. So. Love Ashley. Thank you. So um, you kind of talked about what you teach at Verina. Um, Do you have any other roles? I know you help us a bunch of uh, PD points. Just kind of tell everybody what's your, what are your many roles at Verina? Yeah. The other one, and this is my first year in that position is the staff development coordinator. So uh, that is basically uh, kind of a two part position where there's keeping track of everybody's professional development points and hours and helping them through relicensure. But there's also uh, sort of a leadership, uh, leadership team role where play a part in helping make decisions and trying to help guide instruction and improve that. So it's been, um, it's been a fun year. It's been a good uh, addition to my, my plate. And so I've enjoyed it. Very cool. Well, let's um, hop into Jason Ward, teacher in the classroom. Uh, spill the tea on what you do well and, you know, strategies that you use and just how your classroom is run. Um, yeah. So I've been teaching for the better part of a decade now. My first year was uh, the 2010-2011 school year. And I was I had the fortune of teaching government, which didn't have an end of year SOL, a senior class. They just had to pass my class to graduate. And that really freed me up to experiment with instruction, to try to to do things just the way that I knew how or the way that I like to do it, which is very much pulling in cultural references, shows, music, TV. Um, teaching government at that time, there was a lot of daily show and Colbert watching to kind of get, yeah, I mean, the whole idea is to get students to have the confidence and then also intelligence to become a part of the conversation in our society and as a citizen. And so, yeah, you need to focus on the nuts and bolts, terms and definitions and like content. But for me, my uh, lodestar has always been give students relevant, usable information that can help them see government or history or whatever 
the subject matter may be, see it in their lives, see it in the world around them, and then be able to kind of read between the lines or piece together some of these things that we talked about. And so that I think has always been a strength of mine. And uh, I also just love piecing together either presentations. If I'm doing a sort of direct instruction lecture, I love that. I love trying to figure out what is the most efficient way to get to the heart of this content? What What is something that gives them the, the kind of depth of understanding, but we're not getting too bogged down in the minutia or in, in weird uh, information. So those are kind of my strengths as a, as an educator, I'd say. Very cool. And, and so let's dive in a little bit on how you piece together uh, direct instruction for our students. Like if you're planning a lesson, how do you go about that? Well, I mean, it starts with the curriculum. So the VDOE has uh, a curriculum framework that tells us what we are to teach. Um, and so I, I just look at what is the essential knowledge? And then they've got other categories, essential understandings and skills and things like that. But it starts with, okay, if we're doing an end of course SOL test, then you kind of got to stick to that. Like it's important to align your instruction with what is in the frameworks. Uh Um, And so I always look at that, but something that Mrs. Seely introduced to us a few years ago, as it relates to lesson planning, the what, why, and how, what am I learning? Why am I learning it? And how will I know I've learned it? That was crucial to helping me, kind of sift through, separate the wheat from the chaff and get to the, the heart of the matter. So mm-hmm. um, I actually really enjoy, I've used Grateful Dead lyrics. I've used kind of old cliches. I love, big fan of cliches. Um, I, I, I use those things as sort of the, why are we learning this? Think about these things um, to that degree. And then I just get to it. Now, if it's a lecture, then I'm going to, the way I do direct instruction notes is question and answer. So on my note sheet that I type up, there's a question and that the answer is usually directly the language from the curriculum frameworks. But those questions are, are guided to the why, the, the how, the why is this important kind of thing. So, um, and that also translates pretty decently into a ready-made study guide. So if we go through a bunch of lectures over the course of a week or two, well, when you go back to review those notes, or if you're going to get on Quizlet and create flashcards, it's very easy. One side of the flashcard is the question from the notes the backside is the answer. So there's kind of training uh, students to think in a question answer sort of framework, as opposed to just, here's this fact that we learned. Gotcha. Is that challenging for them? Like at first? Yeah, at first, but I really try to, if I keep that consistent, then they are aware of it. They're prepared for it. Um, 
So I think I view it as something that helps. Now, sometimes there's just a sheer amount of information. So it kind of gets, it could get a little tricky, but I think it helps them. Very cool. Are there any other skills that, that you have in the classroom that, that make you uh, the incredible teacher that you are? <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think one thing that I'm very proud of, I mean, we just spent time talking about a very old school, traditional way of providing instruction. Um, it's rather low level. It's, in, it's built to be easy. But one thing I like is taking chances get creative. I'm truly proud of the kind of projects that I create. Um, when I taught government, uh, they had the special interest group unit. Uh, I had them create their own special interest group. And, uh, and each segment of the project was actually a bullet point from the framework. So once again, even if I'm doing something that's where they have to create uh, a 30 second TV ad, or they have to create uh, a social media campaign, what, whatever their activity is that would be more authentic, it's still grounded in the direct language that the state requires them to know. In uh -huh. US history, I had them do a news broadcast on the key people, events, and uh, concepts that led to the American Revolution. And then I just adapted that this year to the Renaissance. And so um, everything, every aspect of that, those projects is the content is still grounded in the frameworks, but they have to produce something. They have to research, write a script, and then come up with a way, you know, if there's a map, that's your weather segment. If there's a battle, that lends itself pretty nicely to a sports segment. So I, I like that creative getting them to research synthesize and then produce something that's that's what i'm really proud of but it can be time consuming to do that for every unit or every framework so there's a little bit of a mix of lecture and then also student-led projects very cool very cool has there, has there been a time i'm sure the answer is yes but so if you could really mm -hmm. share with us a time that a lesson you know, flopped or didn't go as well as you were hoping and sort of how did you tweak it um, to make sure it was successful the following time? Well, usually every time I do projects like that, um, especially those news broadcasts that I just mentioned about American Revolution Renaissance, from my perspective, according to the sort of finished product that I envisioned, they almost all always fell flat in terms of the kind of uh, finished product that I expected. Um, and so then I obviously, the other thing that I pride myself on is being really self-reflective. I, I always, I can get frustrated with students or I can be disappointed that they didn't get to where I thought they could have or should have, but uh -huh. I'm, I'm always going to just turn that back on me. Like my initial gut reaction could be, how are you guys not doing this or getting this? But then I wondered, well, did I, did I scaffold the que like research questions enough or was it too broad? I mean, I always try to give some, some helpers in terms of 
guiding their research, but it's a fine line. You, you don't want to be too broad and open-ended so that students drown in their research, but you also can't just give them the answer or the material. I mean, that's to some degree, that's kind of what lectures for if you're trying to make up some time. So I, um, I do struggle with that. You know, those projects, that deeper learning kind of thing can sometimes not turn out the way you wanted it to, but there's, uh -huh. a, there's always a lesson in that. And I think um, not shying away, you know, maybe it didn't work well, but don't shy away from it. Come back and then reform and, and revise how you either separate into groups or what kind of scaffolding you provide. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's take a break from the classroom. What's, what sort of things are you doing during this um, COVID time? You know, are you, are you exercising or, you know, what, what are you doing at home? Yeah, it's, it's been one of those things that I said at the beginning when we were sent home on uh, after Friday, March 13th, when we knew that we were at least going to have two weeks. Well, I, my gut said, <laughs> we're going to have a longer break than two weeks. I, I assumed when we left, I was already thinking that it's probably going to be done for the year, but I at least expected us to be out for spring break. And uh -huh. if we remember at that time, everything happened so quickly that Wednesday night, President Trump gave a speech from the Oval Office and almost simultaneously the NBA shut down its season and then all the sports. I mean, it just all happened. Bang, bang. And the projections at that time were death and uh, it was really an uncertain and kind of scary time yeah and so i basically i i made sure that my uh distance learning things were up before we left and and i i started when i on that first week or two of quarantine i wrote some journal entries and kept providing my students some links of articles and videos oftentimes not related to the coronavirus crisis, just to kind of get their minds off of it. Um, but the first few weeks were very much, let's, as my brother would say, let's hunker and bunker. Let's, let's just yeah. get our arms around this and figure it out. So I kind of took it almost like an extended spring break. And then spring break, we, we were told, hey, put an off, out of office email. So really for the, for the first, three weeks or so of this quarantine, I just, I stayed in. I didn't even, I wasn't even exercising that much. I, I was just kind of let, let your body tell you, let your mind and body tell you when and what you need to do. Um, now that it's become sort of a, a new normal, things have sort of subsided a little bit. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, you can't just sit inside all day. So every day, I've been going on a walk and or a run uh, just in the past week. I've already covered over 50 miles around wow. the city. Yeah. So I, I said, look, wake up, get out of bed, drag a comb across your head. No, but get out there, get some activity, make <laughs> breakfast, uh, usually between the hours of 10 a.m. And, and noon, I'm on the computer, I'm making sure that the grade book is updated. I'm responding to any emails. And then usually in the afternoon, I'll step out and take another walk or whatever. 
but you know, cooking, watching movies. I watched a lot of good movies, a big Paul Thomas Anderson kick. Um, I watched on my block, which a couple of my students had suggested at the beginning of break, absolutely loved that show. Um, plot against America on HBO as a history guy, the sort of an alternative history in America during world war two. And so I loved that. So really just trying to create some structure and regularity and activity in my day. But we're in a really weird, uncertain time right now. So I'm not trying to do too much or stress too much about really any one thing. Yeah, I got you. That that sounds good. Yeah, I, I kind of wake up and, and try to get my walk or run or yeah. work out in in the morning and then just kind of get to schoolwork or, you know, record these podcasts and, yeah. and then just kind of see where the day goes from there. That's good. Yeah. So um, what are one or two things – um, an educator could take from you to help them be a better educator next year? Like what are one or two things that you do or you recommend for someone? Um, well, it's, it really kind of depends. There are AP teachers, which AP has its own level of rigor and pacing, and there is a national test that needs to be prepared for. So in a certain way, that type of class almost dictates its own thing. Um, and then, and if I know that SOLs are somewhat being phased out, but if you have an end of year exam that you have to prepare students for, um, my suggestion, so sort of if once again, if we're getting back to aligning with the expectations of a test room exam, it's a, there is a fine line between I got to teach this content, but I have to make this content because sometimes a curriculum doesn't provide a lot of context or definitions or understanding. It's almost like random bullet points. So you uh -huh. have to provide details and context for those seemingly trivial or random bullet points to be understood, but you can't get down too many rabbit holes. Stick to the main ideas. Now, if you're in a a special subject that doesn't necessarily have a uh, a strict rigor like that well then just get creative how do you learn that's i mean I, we all have different ways of learning but you got to stick to what you know and what you feel comfortable with so i would say um try to make it relevant try to help students see what you're talking about in the everyday and I often try to tell my students, look, we live in a rapidly changing world. Um, you guys are going to do jobs that don't even exist yet. And maybe mm -hmm. so pay attention to what is happening in the world and try to think about how would you want to spend your time? If you're if you have to have a career over the next you know, 30 to 40 years of your life, what do you want to do? And you can probably even create it. There, the opportunities are open to us, especially in light of this most recent stuff. Sky's the limit. So just pay attention, be creative, think about how you want to impact the world. Very nice. Yeah. And yeah, and it's, I like your point of, um, you know, 
some of the jobs that these kids are gearing up to work for yeah. haven't even been created yet. Right. So, you know, perfect your craft, find something that interests you. Yeah. And then go out there when it's ready and go get it. Right. And most of the things I know that, I mean, I think there's a, an interesting tension between automation. I mean, that's the other thing that this coronavirus stuff is showing us is that a lot of people in, at least in, in a certain strata can work from home or part of the fear of some of these traditional industries, service industry things, fast food or, or things like that. Maybe those things do get automated. Maybe we, we reduce physical contact, but on the other hand, we're, America's about to see the increase of the aging population. Um, if nursing homes are sort of the Petri dish of disease and infection that we've kind of known them to be, maybe we're going to need more in-home care, health care. The healthcare industry is always going to be important. So I think it's one of those things where know your technology, but never neglect the soft skills, the human skills. Uh, we're going to need human beings to care for other human beings over the next you know 10 years plus yeah in in, in the future so very cool yeah. well um is there any like shout outs you want to give to your department um or you know students or class of 2020 or or whomever who would you like to give some shout outs to uh yeah um obviously class of 2020 uh they really were deprived of the best time of senior year, you know, the spring prom graduation and all that. And I hope in some way we can help them experience some of those things, at least in a different way. Um, Definitely. So, and there are some great kids in that class. So congratulations. You're in it now. Um, I, I always love, I mean, if you get, too in the weeds of shouting out to individual students or classes. It could just be a laundry list, but oh, yeah. I love students always ask, are we your favorite class or like you and, and I just want to remind all of them that every student and every class is its own living, breathing organism. It has its own different vibe and strengths and weaknesses. So I never have a favorite class. I, I love them all for, what they uniquely bring to the table. So I'm thinking about all of them know that they are, you know, loved and supported. So, um, but then, yeah, I, uh, I miss those kinds of my activity spaces around campus. Obviously Parsons is my doormate. Uh, uh -huh. Ferris uh, has aptly called me Parsons and Lowe, the frat. So, uh, <laughs> Big ups to them. Uh, you know, my department. We, and this also includes Miss James and Thompson. They, and, and others that come into our lunch that are outside of social studies. We can get, uh, we can have some fun kind of table talk discussions in there. So I, I miss those lunches, that, that spirit of conviviality and community, uh, communal uh, feeling. Um, and then obviously I, I always stop by and see Candace Spencer in the library and we chat just about life and our experiences. And then obviously Vivian and Yarvet up front. I love seeing them. And, uh, 
and counseling. I love doing my little loop and saying hey to, to counseling. So yeah, there's some great just people and routines that I miss and that I always look forward to. So uh, I hope everybody's doing well and staying safe and sane. And uh, we'll see how we come out of this. Yeah. And I, I like the little loop you just walked me through library, mm-hmm. you know, down the back yep. and then right up the front and around school count. That loop is a fun loop. Yeah, it's a fun loop. And, and those are people that you don't necessarily see every day. I mean, we can, we can just be in our classrooms a lot. And I just like getting out and seeing different people. And, uh, and so, yeah, I miss that. That is a fun loop. <laughs> Um, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? Are you, uh, good to go? Yeah, I'm good to go. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I I can't wait to hear what other people have to say about their profession and experiences. And, uh, I just love, love being part of the Verina community and I, I miss it and, uh, we will see what happens, but until then stay strong and have as much fun as possible. What's going on, Education Nation? This is Corey Calder, and we have another special one for you today. We have uh, a member of the History Social Studies Department, Sam Parsons. Sam, do you want to say hey? Well, hello there. Uh, it's good to uh, talk to you. It's good to kind of talk to the Verina Nation, so I'm excited. Yeah, and I love how you use Verina Nation. I, I kind of use that on my uh, videos I send to my kids. I'm like, what up, Verina Nation? And then they love it, so I'm glad someone else is using that. So, um, Sam, can you kind of get into your background as to how you got into education and, um, you know, how you ended up at Verina? Yeah, um, actually, I was, I was thinking about this yesterday, and it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it took me some time to reflect to actually think about it, and I'm happy that I did, because it was kind of, it was a fun time remembering why I kind of got into this, but I think I would have to kind of start in high school, and um I was not a really great student in high school at all. Um, I got decent grades, but I really wasn't learning anything. Um, and so, and the other thing about that too is that I, I grew up in an educational family. Both my, my dad is a college administrator. My mom's a piano teacher. I've got three sisters and they're all involved in education in some way. And so growing up, I always thought, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not going to be a teacher. Um, and so actually... In high school, I always thought I'm going to be a, um, a strength coach, so teach people how to lift weights and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah, um, but I think I got to my senior year of high school, and I, I had, up to this point, really didn't like school at all um, and was ready to be done with it. And I remember my senior year, I had a teacher. Um, he was my AP literature teacher, and he, I was in this friend group that was really competitive about grades and they just all wanted to get A's all the time. I remember being really frustrated by that because I didn't get A's and I remember finding that to be really frustrating. And, uh, this teacher at the time, he, it was, I think it was like, uh, halfway through the school year, he got really frustrated with, uh, the students, um, because they were, you know, just wanting to get a good grade. And he kind of went off and he said, you know, if, if 
I'll give you guys all A's right now if it means you're going to stop complaining and you're actually going to learn something. And cool. I remember that moment standing out to me because it showed me that it doesn't really matter what the grade is. It matters what you're actually learning. Um, and I could buy into that. Um, uh, to me, the grade wasn't that important, but the fact that somebody, an adult, wanted me to learn and wasn't concerned about my grade, I think that made a big impact in my life. And so um, moving on from that experience, I really liked school after that. Um, <clears throat> and I kind of found school as an escape, something I could really focus my mind on. Um, and then I went to college and I got a little confused because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, the first thing I thought I wanted to do was be a strength coach. Um, and then I realized I really didn't like science classes. Uh, so I couldn't do that for a living. Um, and then <clears throat> I thought I wanted to be a youth pastor. Um, and so I did a youth internship at my church and I really liked working with teenagers. So I figured out one thing I really liked to do, and that was work with teenagers. And then I started taking some history classes, realized I loved history. And so I think I kind of thought about how can I combine two of my passions and get paid for it? And so that's kind of how I stumbled upon education. So, wow. yeah, it's, it's kind of a long story. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, I figured out what I was passionate about and somebody really wise once told me this. Um, this is what I tell my seniors. The way to figure out what you want to do in life is figure out what you're good at, what you're passionate about and what can make you some money. So if you combine those three, <laughs> if you combine those three things, you're probably going to find something to do. And, and you'll be happy doing it too, which is huge. Exactly. Very neat. So what are your, what's your current role or roles? at Verina and then kind of spill the tea on your skills as to what you do really well. Um, I, I always kind of joke that I'm kind of always at school. I don't know if people, people don't always see me at school, but I'm always there. Um, in the fall, uh, I help out with marching band. Um, I've been helping out teaching the drum line for a couple years now. And so, uh, and I also teach this year, I've taught six classes. So I teach, um, three world history one classes and three AP government classes. And then in the fall after school and helping out with band. And then the springtime I am uh, coaching baseball. Wow. Yes. So I'm very busy, but that's That's how I like it. So I, I don't like downtime for me. The busier I am, the more productive I am. Yeah. And it, it's so cool. Cause you get to reach so many students at um i was about to say jamie you at v uh at brian um because you get to you know interact with athletes you get to interact with students and then you get to interact with the whole band family and that's that's really neat man you get like a full spectrum of Verina. yeah and i i think the important and this is one of the things i i thought about what i do well and one of them is just being visible. Um, and I think that's really, really important because, you know, like if you're like I was in high school, I mean, I didn't really care about school until my senior year of high school. You know, I, I did what I had to do to get by, but I, I really didn't care that much. Yeah. And so 
if you're anything like me, a normal teenager, I want to see my teachers participating in something I care about, you know? So I want to, I want to see my teachers at a game or I want to see my teachers out on the sidewalk so I can talk to them. Um, if I was a freshman last year, when I come back my sophomore year, I want to be able to go and talk to my teachers and I want to make sure that they're, they're willing to listen to me. And I think that's really important. So I always, I think visibility is one thing that has helped me a lot. And I also, if, for new teachers, because I've been at Verina, this is my third year at Verina, and I, one of the things that really helped me was not really dipping my toes, but jumping right in. And so my first year, making sure that I was involved with other things besides teaching so that I could get to know the community. And I think that's really important. Now, I mean, because you and I are year three people, shout out to all the year threes listening. Um, did you did you do band your first year? I did. Um, my first year, uh, I came in and I met um, the band director at the time, and we connected. And I just volunteered that first year, uh, and, and kind of got to know the program as well. And so my first year, I did band and baseball, and that was really important because as a new teacher, you don't know any of the kids. And if you mm -hmm. can participate in something in the fall, you automatically know a big portion of the student body. And that's really important. Yeah. And especially band. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. That's a huge family you had. Well, I, and our band is number one. And I know you're a huge part of that as well. Just getting them rolling and, you know, doing all the right stuff. Are there any other, are there any other skills you do well, you know, besides the advice of making yourself visible? What do you, what do you do in the classroom that like really works for uh, Sam Parsons? Um, I, I kind of have a motto and that motto for me is, is do what engages the kids, but also do what makes sense for the kids. And so with the teaching strategy, it has to work for them. It has to be engaging for them. And also it has to be something that's conducive to a good classroom environment. Um, and so that can be really challenging sometimes, but I think if, if you're clear with directions, if you're straightforward with directions, then kids really appreciate that. And there's, this is something we, we talk about in our social studies department a lot, but our students really, our students know what good teaching is. And mm -hmm. they don't really accept anything but good teaching. And that's one of the things I love about working at Verina is that I have found in the past couple of years, I have to continually get better because that's what my students expect. And I think that's really important. And so you have to be on your A game all the time because the students will hold you accountable for that. And I, I appreciate that because it makes me a better teacher. Do you have kids like call you out? Like if, you know, if you come in and it's not a plus Sam Parsons lesson, do they, do they call you out or let you know about oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and I think, give us a time or something when that's happened. Well, it happened this past year um, in uh, my AP class. And it, I think this is really cool because this is also a testament to how good our other teachers are. But I uh -huh. was, I was doing a lesson um, in, I was doing a Socratic seminar and um I, to my, I'll take the fault for it. It wasn't planned out the way it should have been. And one of my students senior just kind of said, Hey, this, this is not very good. And you should go talk to so-and-so and get some help. And it wasn't just, it wasn't that blunt. 
it was a lot more respectful than that. But yeah. um, I have a really good relationship with that student. And I, I took that to heart and said, you're right. You know, next time I do this, I need to probably go and, and, and get some feedback from somebody else. So that way you guys are getting, you know, the A plus product. And that's something I love about our students is that they're going to, they're going to tell you what you need to know. You know, you don't really have to ask them. They're probably going to let you know, which is great. Yeah. And, and when I used to teach at the middle school, I'd always do like a reflection after each new unit I was doing just to kind of get feedback. And I don't really need to do that at Verina because if the lesson's going well, the unit's going well, the kids are having fun, they're smiling, you know, they're turning in really good work. I know that they were engaged. And when it's not the best thing, they're going to tell me right then and there. And so I, I back you up 100% on that. Yep. I think that the um, last, probably the last thing I would say that I, I do pretty well, um, and this can be really hard, is just listening to, listening to your students. Um, and if, you know, making yourself available and listening to them. And listening is something that is really hard to do because a lot of times we think listening is just, okay, you're going to say something and then I say something back over you. But that's not really listening. And so sometimes listening for me as a teacher means I have to hold my tongue when they, after they're done talking. And so sometimes me just looking them in the eyes and, and letting them talk a bit is more productive than me giving them advice. And so knowing when to talk, when to listen, and I think that's really effective with students. Yeah, and, and I try to tell them too, like there's, there's listening and then there's hearing. Like hearing is you not paying attention. You just like, oh, I'll sit there. I don't really care what's going on, blah, 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 blah. But it looks like I'm listening to you. And like listening is engaging in exactly what you're saying. And so, you know, I, I got to see you teach one time and I did an observation. And, you know, I was, I was joking with you because, you know, kids were saying some like ridiculous stuff about like government. And, and you just looked at me and you're just like, you gave me this look. It was like, yep, I can't say anything right now. I'm just going to let them do what they got to do. And we'll come back to it in a little while. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I, sometimes we got to remember as teachers too. you know, when we get to in our groups of friends as adults, sometimes we say ridiculous things too. And for our kids, when you're doing an activity like in that lesson, that's kind of their opportunity to, even though it might be outrageous, it may be off the wall. That's their opportunity to, combine learning and socializing at the same time and if we're if we're mm -hmm. being honest i mean we get more out of an activity when there's a social aspect to it and so that even if it is a little bit outrageous i mean ideally everybody's going to vote so ideally everybody should talk to their peers and kind of figure out some of those ideas yeah it was a sweet lesson i mean you had you had literally every kid engaged and to kind of figure out what party they belong to. Um, and, you know, they, they were all talking to each other, engaging, writing stuff on the giant sticky notes, moving around the room. And there was like a good flow and a good energy in the room. Um, so I envisioned most of your lessons going that way um, every day. One can hope. One can hope. <laughs> <laughs> so um, kind of we're on this role. Um, what are like one or two things or ideas that you could give to a teacher um, to make sure they start their school year off next year 
with a bang or like a teaching strategy or something that uh, you think they should incorporate into their lessons? What are two, one or two things that you recommend an educator or staff member doing next year to make that year successful? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I, my motto is just don't assume anything or take anything for granted. The students uh -huh. are expecting you to have a clear, uh, a clear and easy to understand plan for how to be successful. And they need, they need to know what you are about as a teacher and they need to know what is expected of them. And so my advice is revisit that, that plan that you make at the beginning of the year, revisit that plan, revisit how your classroom is going to work, even little minute stuff. Um, and so you need to be, I would say, be, think, have a proactive plan. I mean, how, how are you going to do, if you are going to do uh, note taking, how are you going to do that? How are you, how long are you going to do note taking per day? Are you keeping it in a short amount of time that keeps your kids' attention span? Um, and so everything you do in your lesson needs to be planned out so that it benefits the students, number one. Number two, keeps them engaged. And number three, keeps them out of trouble. And if you have a good plan for how you want to do that, your classroom management issues are going are gonna to be minimized. Um, the atmosphere in your room will be a lot better as well. So that's my number one advice is, and I've had to do it every single year. My first year of teaching, I was at a different school. And my plan, uh, after I was at that school, my plan completely changed because I learned a lot. So oh, I would always just say revisit that plan every year. Very cool. And even like revisit those lessons. You know, you always might need to switch things up a little bit. And, and for example, I've, I've changed how I've done um, direct instruction or like note taking. I've changed it every year I've been at Verona. So and I think this year I got a little bit closer to something that works. Uh, but that could be refined even more. So, can you, can you give us a little insight on kind of where you started and where you are now? Absolutely, and it's an interesting story. Uh, coming out of college, it was really really hard to find a, a history teaching job, and so actually, my first year of teaching, I was an exceptional ed teacher in uh, a really it was a really unique school, and it was it was kind of a school for high school students, um, and it was a non-traditional school. So students that um, just didn't want to be in like a, a public school setting. And so it was self-contained. So I had um, around 10 to 12 students and I taught all subjects. So math, history, science, English. And uh, it was kind of like a one-room schoolhouse. And it was, it taught me a lot about uh, just how to plan your day, how to plan lessons. And so I did that for a year and I realized that there was a part of my life that was missing and that was coaching. And so at that school, they didn't have a baseball team, so I couldn't coach and they didn't have a music program, so I couldn't do band. And so I decided that I needed to go to public school um, so I could do the kind, kind of combine those other passions in, into my life. And so I could do everything that I wanted to do. <clears throat> Gotcha. That's really neat. Yep. And so it's, it's been an interesting journey. Um, it's, this is my um, fourth year teaching. And so next year will be my fifth. And I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is that uh, you, you never, the more you learn, the less you really know. And so the more you learn about, you know, how to be a good teacher and how to be successful, 
the more you realize that you, you have to do more learning. And so to me, I think learning is all about understanding the fact that you need to learn more and you need to kind of adapt and, and figure out what works. Yeah. And I, and I love that message. And, you know, if you just stick to the one thing you do and you try to do that every year, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. And, it's bo- you, and you, so you really, you really got to adjust and, you know, any teacher out there listening who doesn't adjust, I would start soon because you really got to be flexible and do what's best for the kids. Well, I, I just think about, you know, when I was in high school, we were passing notes, you know, that's, that's what we did. Uh, we would mm-hmm. write notes on, on post-it notes and pass it to our friends and, and then teachers would catch us and they'd pick, pick up the note and they would read it out in front of the class and you'd get embarrassed and everything. But that's, that's not the same, you know, classroom that we have today. It's a, it's a whole new list of challenges. Um, and so if you, you got to adapt, you got to change. Um, and you got to do what works for the kids, because if it doesn't work for the kids, you're wasting your time. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Hey, is there any um, is there any shout outs you want to give to uh, members of your department, um, your next door neighbor buddy who you who I know you love to death or, you know, students Ab- or. Yeah, class- absolutely. And this is um, this has been something that's been kind of on my heart uh, ever since school shut down. But I think the, the first shout outs to my students, um, to my my freshmen, just hang in there. Hey, they're you're probably bored very bored but hang in there and you know i'm not going anywhere so i'll, I'll still be at verina when you guys get back next year um also your recovery work is due on friday uh two 4 p.m, 4 p.m. deadline <laughs> my seniors this is this is where this is it's really heavy on my heart but with my seniors uh don't get down um you know hang in there uh and anytime you want to come back and see me feel free um, but just know that um, as you're disappointed and you're probably feeling it a bit, uh, your teachers are doing the same exact thing where it's, it's a struggle to uh, just, it, it's just, it's, it's really hard with our teachers for our seniors. Cause we really, just like you wanted to have all that fun time at the end of the year, we wanted to have that fun time with you. Um, and then lastly, I guess a shout out to my coworkers, and this is a big shout out to my department, the, the social studies department, we're a really tight knit group and we have a lot of fun. And uh, I really genuinely miss um, meeting up with them every day. And then my neighbor, Mr. Ward, uh, he makes work really fun for me every day. And uh, my other neighbor up the hill, Mr. Lowe. And so uh, we, I just miss working. I miss being at school. And um, anybody that says working from home is fun, they're, they're lying to you. I'd much rather be on campus. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I also felt like it's easier to be on campus. This home stuff is Yeah, I, I feel like I'm one of my students just getting distracted, you know? Like, I, always, I would always tell them to yeah. get off their phones, and now I'm, I'm supposed to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on something, and something pops up on my phone. I go, you know, I, I totally get it now. <laughs> well, um, I appreciate you uh, coming on Staffordy Spilling the Tea, and – and, you know, just sharing your insight and thoughts and anybody out there listening, definitely take Sam Parsons advice because getting involved and always adjusting and doing everything he said is crucial if you want to be successful in this field.
There you go, tea drinkers. That was an episode of Staffelty Spilling the Tea. I want to thank you for steeping in our episode. And do me a favor and go give us a four or five star review and click that subscribe button so you get future episodes. This has been real. This has been fun. And this has been real fun. Till next time, see ya.